Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started. Welcome to the episode. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and as always, I'm here with my friend, colleague, and partner in Physicians Legal Consultants, Dr. Mike Bummer. Hi, Armin, and hello to our listeners. We're, we got a really special episode today. I hope everyone's buckled in and, and ready to hear something new and exciting. You know, we, we had a, a guest on the podcast before, and we're very excited to have another guest today. So I'll flip it back to you, Armin, if you want to uh, tell everyone about our special guest today. Sure. Thanks, Mike. So our guest today is Dr. Anka Haracek. And Mike and I uh, both have had the pleasure of knowing uh, Anka for some time now. Anka attended the University of Southern California and graduated with a degree in biology in 1990. She then attended medical school at Thomas Jefferson Medical College. Anka told me it now is called Sidney Kimmel School of Medicine. I didn't know that. Um, After graduation, Anka remained in at Jefferson and did an emergency medicine residency at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. Then she practiced in Philadelphia for six years before moving to Nebraska for an emergency medicine job and practiced in Nebraska until June of this year when Anka retired from clinical medicine after 25 years. That certainly deserves a kudos, a congratulations, Anka. And uh, Anka has also been working as a medical legal consultant for the past five years. And since she retired, she's been doing medical legal consulting full-time. Now, I first met Anka when she attended my annual medical legal consulting conference. It's hard to believe this, Anka, but in 2018. And then she joined my coaching program, my training program. And it's really been my privilege to get to know Anka over the years. She's not only a a great medical legal consultant, but a really smart and absolutely charming person. And Anka told me one fun fact, Mike. Uh, She took up watercolor painting as her quarantine hobby. And uh, I had Anka yesterday send me some photos of her work. It's absolutely great. So uh, Mike, you also have gotten to know Anka. Yeah, Anka has been a resource for me. As you had mentioned, she's trained in emergency medicine and is very intelligent. Her analytical ability has been uh, invaluable to me as I've done the phone a friend call, uh, as we've done back and forth a few times. So whenever the thought came up to have her come on today and discuss a case that she has uh, has worked up and provided to her attorney clients, I thought it was an excellent idea. So thank you, Armin, for doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like without further ado, that's, let's let Anka uh, say hello to our listeners. 
Well, hello, everyone. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, like I said, I've known Armin and Mike for several years, and they've been wonderful to work with. Uh, Mike is is also my phone a friend when I need OB questions <laughs> answered for any um, uh, OB cases that I have. My case uh, is actually, it's, it is a catastrophic case, and it is actually almost miraculous that this gentleman survived. Uh, uh, so I'll just tell you briefly, the story is that um, in 2015, uh, this was a 52-year-old male who was driving his tractor along a two-lane highway at about 6 a.m. And, and at that time of the year, it's still dark. He was uh, struck from behind by a uh, semi-truck at an unknown speed. Um, the tractor actually traveled about approximately 65 feet from the point of impact, and the uh, the client was thrown onto the roadway. Um, he lost consciousness, doesn't really recall anything. He sustained a number of injuries. These include uh, cer uh, cervical and thoracic spine injuries, a cervical disc herniation, multiple left rib fractures, and a breastbone fracture lung contusions, traumatic head injury, um, a collapsed left lung with actually some blood in the chest cavity as well, and facial injuries, um, as well as a laceration of a spleen, a right ulnar nerve injury, and a rotator cuff tear. Wow, that's that's significant. Can Could I ask, Anka, whenever the attorney reached out to you on this matter, what was the original question? Like, what what was the the ask whenever you have a case this tragic, this catastrophic? I think he just needed someone to just organize it for him and really list all the injuries and, um, and connect them to the, uh, to the crash and say, yes, this is a direct result of the crash. And the interesting thing is I actually found some uh, issues that the client was having that I don't I hadn't been connected to the crash but were actually a result of the crash so this this was kind of daunting there were there were a lot of things to list in this report and it's a very mm. long report because of that um, and you some, I think it's worth even mentioning that from what I read I was blown away by it. you did a wonderful job and you even made a couple new diagnoses or, or at least suggested them to be uh, evaluated by the treating doctors in this case Yes, exactly. That was, uh, it stood out to me. And when I read through the records, and luckily, they sent me all the records that there were some urinary and erectile dysfunction issues. And I just thought, wow, well, he, he had, he had actually fractured vertebrae in his thoracic spine. So that's his upper back that actually required surgical repair. He was, um, quote unquote neurologically intact, meaning he could move his arms and his legs, he had control of his uh, bowels, and he um, he didn't have any spinal cord damage on MRI. But shortly after the accident, he began experiencing urinary incontinence and erectile dysfunction. And so I just started kind of looking into the literature and say, hmm, what does what, what does the literature say about this? Can they could this be a result? And lo and behold, yes, um, a significant amount of um, people who suffer a spinal cord, uh, a, a, a vertebral injury, uh, like vertebral fractures in their back and their thoracic and lumbar spine actually end up with urinary uh, 
and erectile dysfunction issues and that they, they think this might be because of some damage to some nerves that we can't even see. So, Anka, the thing that struck me, Mike, I agree with everything you said. uh, Another thing that struck me, and Mike, I'm sure you would agree, we haven't really um, done a case like this, right? This this is a catastrophic case. Uh, This uh, poor man uh, really had had multiple injuries. Uh, He had just horrible trauma. He had long-term residual problems. Uh, his uh, future medical costs were enormous. Uh, and this is a, a, a kind of case that we really haven't addressed yet. Yeah, that's right. Anka, how, how many pages was this report when you finished? It was 18 pages. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And would you maybe pick a few of the injuries and and maybe talk through how you address them in the report for our listeners? Because Armin and I, we've discussed probably three or four comprehensive medical summary reports over the, over the last 25, 30 episodes. But I feel like our listeners might gain uh, value from hearing how someone else kind of builds that in or how they address one or two of the injuries in this report. Sure. Um, the, the, the one thing, the thoracic spine injury was interesting uh, because you would think that with a broken vertebrae, they just go in and fix it and it's done. And that's not actually the case. Um, he not only has limited motion uh, of his spine because they actually ended up having to fuse things together to make it stable. And of course, chronic pain related to that. But he has also developed a spinal deformity. These these vertebrae don't always heal in the same mm. uh, shape that they were originally. So um, even after surgical repair, when they heal, they can heal uneven and actually cause a deformity that, of course, also adds to um, pain and limited mobility. And this deformity is, in his case, more likely than not, would require further surgical correction in the future. So I obviously had to take that into account uh, in terms of the medical, future medical costs. and um, and then again, like I said, the urinary uh, things, and that's where it's so invaluable to actually talk to the client and say, hey, when, tell me more about this urinary and erectile issues that you're having and see if, if they are temporarily related. In his case, obviously, it wasn't immediately. He spent three weeks in the hospital uh, and uh, I'm sure had catheters in and he had surgeries and all that. So it, it took a while for that to sort of come about. And he, he was treating for so many other injuries that sometimes these things get overlooked, but then they say, Hey, yeah, that, that did start right after. And, um, he literally was wearing, um, diapers. Mm-hmm. And of course, psychologically, that's, that's, that's very upsetting to somebody of that age in his fifties. So, did and you I find, looked, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, did you find that the medical records that you reviewed from the, the treating doctors did in fact provide a good enough narrative for you to build in this report? Or did you have to, uh, did you have to personally do any, you know, kind of above and beyond connecting the dots or, or things like that? No, the, the timeline was pretty clear in the medical records that this all started after the crash. 
and and I confirmed that with the client when I spoke with him, and of of course ascertained whether he had any issues before this, and he had really no other medical problems that should be causing sudden onset of urinary incontinence and erectile dysfunction. So, Anka, maybe you could talk about what what Mike was also asking about in terms of uh, how in the report, how you work this up in terms of mechanism of action and uh, issues of causation and that kind of thing. Maybe you could pick something out or a couple of them out and uh, let our listeners know how you approach that. Um, So the um, ulnar nerve injury is another one that I've actually encountered a couple of times in car crashes. Um, And the thing is that you don't have to have an associated fracture of the elbow or that area with it. It's just sometimes the actual direct trauma, which then damages the nerve. Um, And there are uh, articles in the uh, literature that talk about that. Uh, for traumatic peripheral nerve injuries, the a, cra- a car crash is actually the most common factor for this. Um, and it can be related to either direct trauma or just actually stretching of the nerve. So there doesn't need to be any bony injury. And so I make that clear that even though he didn't have a broken elbow, he still sustained a ulnar nerve injury, uh, most likely when he struck the roadway, since it was on the right side of his body. I thought you addressed that really concisely in the report, because as you alluded to, this is a complicated case. I I think you have eight or more separate ongoing medical issues that this gentleman has suffered. And when I look at the, the, just the area that Armin brought up for the ulnar nerve injury that, that, that you elaborated on, you concisely say and state the facts and you know you you allude to the emg that was done that made the diagnosis and then you talk about the mechanism on how it can very plainly happen when he hits his arm on the road and then you talk about the effects and it's all done in like two or three paragraphs and i think that one of your best talents is being able to concisely make sense of this for an adjuster or an opposing counsel well, thank you for saying that. It, it's yes, I, I do try to make it not too long-winded and really, but still make sure that a layperson understands this. This is not written for a fellow medical person. This is written for uh, people who may have some understanding of medicine, but still haven't gone to medical school. So I try to make sure that it makes sense um, how I'm describing what happens. And that, that can sometimes take a little bit of time. I mean, I'll write something down and then have to go back and say, what, is there a better way I can, I can say this? So it, it doesn't always just come out onto the page this way. It does take a little bit of thinking about it and going back and rereading and thinking, how, how can I tighten this up? And do I need to add more detail, but not too much detail so that people mm-hmm. get confused? And I'm looking at, I'm looking at, five, six, seven different verbatim notes from the treating doctors that you pulled out from the records over the course of a couple years. I can only imagine the the voluminous nature of these records. And you put it all right there, right in the area that talks about this ulnar nerve injury. So again, someone not looking at this might not realize kind of the magnificence of how easy and how concise this is. Right. I find that putting the verbatim notes in there just really supports what I'm saying. And I'm actually just rereading now part of the urinary incontinence. And when he saw the urologist, um, the, the 
client did report to his urologist. He has been complaining of incomplete emptying of his bladder ever since his accident. So it's very clear that this relates to that. He told another physician, he tells me he did not have any issues with voiding prior to the accident. So that tells me this is uh, related. Uh, You had on another podcast talked about the Freeman causation articles, which I also use all the time. And this, again, there is an, uh, there's an incidence that happened that certainly um, had the forces to cause this injury through the spinal uh, fractures. And temporarily, it's related because it started right after the accident. And no, he doesn't have any other reason that this should be happening. So maybe you could uh, just uh, maybe walk us through there, there were eight or nine really severe injuries. I also like to know what kind of shape he's in now, but, and then maybe we'll go through the um, future medical costs. But uh, can you walk us through one of these in terms of how you uh, worked it up and use the uh, causation, it spelled out the causation and that kind of thing? Uh, yes, certainly. Uh, the, the mild traumatic brain injury, um, he, uh, uh, certainly developed um, chronic headaches um, after that. He also had some cognitive issues. And I also find it very helpful in the report to also quote the client uh, in how things are not the way that they used to be. Um, he actually uh, likened it to, it's like having Alzheimer's because I can't remember anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very powerful for people to read that, that this is a real person and this, this, this is now what they're living with. Mm-hmm. And then I go on to describe the mechanism of injury, which is uh, either hitting your head directly on something or moving it back and forth so violently that the brain actually hits the inside of the skull Mm -hmm. uh, sort of back and forth because it's actually suspended in uh, spinal fluid uh, and which causes microscopic injury to the brain that we can't actually see but is still uh, causing um, issues for uh, the the client in terms of headaches, uh, memory difficulties, irritability, mood changes, that sort of thing. Um, And so I basically uh, talk about that and then uh, that there's many articles that talk about um, the uh, post-concussion syndrome. And then I also quote the Freeman article, which is that there must be a biologically plausible or possible link between the exposure and the outcome. Uh, The exposure is the crash. And certainly he had enough forces and and violent movements during the crash and being thrown from his tractor and striking the roadway uh, that that was, is biologically plausible. And then the temporal relationship is um, how, how soon after the, after the incident, does he start having symptoms? And he has complained about these issues pretty much right from the beginning. And it's listed in multiple parts of uh, the medical record. So I quote from those as well. Um, And then the, uh, and some of them are quote, late symptoms, things like uh, the memory and the irritability and the depression don't always show up right away. It may, especially in his case, since he had so many other injuries that required ongoing treatment, 
um, that a lot of times traumatic brain injury will be sort of pushed by the wayside because it's not an immediate physical thing like a broken bone uh, that needs rehabilitation or surgery or things like that. Uh, and then again, that there's not anything else in his life that uh, would have caused these symptoms. And then again, I quote from the literature. Yeah, thanks, Anka. So uh, this was a healthy, vital man. Uh, he worked. Uh, he was obviously out at 6 a.m. on his tractor. And w what kind of shape is he in now? Well, he was a farmer. And I don't know what you guys know about farmers, but they are tough. They, uh, in the emergency department, we have a saying, if a farmer shows up, get ready, because it's going to be something bad. They do not seek medical attention unless it's really, really, really dire. So he has not been able to go back to farming. Mm. And so that's a huge thing that they will do anything and everything that they can to get back to uh, their farm. And he has just not been able to do that, um, both for physical reasons, as well as the traumatic brain injury and the PTSD uh, that he uh, developed as a result of this crash. How sad. And yeah, so sometimes, you know, m we may talk about one or two of these things, and that's a, a good report, a helpful report. It helps the uh, attorney to put the case together. But in this case, really catastrophic injuries, multiple areas of the body uh, that were affected brain injury, uh, spinal injury. A psychological injury, psychiatric injury with PTSD. And that's just part of what happened to him. Yeah. So the future care and cost for him in this case were going to be extensive. Um, he was certainly going to need uh, some work on his shoulder. Um, and he was told he may need further discectomies in his, uh, in his neck. Uh, as well as the thoracic spine surgery that he more uh, likely than not will need to correct that deformity after the surgical repair of his vertebral fractures. I think it's I think it's okay to say that the your estimated future medical costs in this case were north of seven hundred thousand dollars. Yes, um, and that's yeah. I, I just I kind of went through it a couple of times, going, "Wow, that that's a lot." But I've had cases that were even higher than that. <laughs> How high have you gone in your estimated costs before? I have gone just north of a million. Hmm. And um, that was a very unfortunate young woman who was pregnant and developed gestational diabetes and then went to get a pedicure and got a wound on her foot that became infected. Hmm. And um, as you know, with diabetes, it, it lowers your immune system. So right. foot infections, and, and it also uh, interferes with the blood supply, uh, especially the, the small blood vessels that bring the disease-fighting white blood cells to mm -hmm. areas like the hands and feet. So that's why foot infections and diabetics become so bad. And she ended up with a very bad foot infection that required hospitalization and intravenous antibiotics. And she was only in her 30s. So her um, long-term medical care, she ended up with permanent type 2 diabetes after this mm. and was going to be guaranteed to be in the hospital multiple multiple times for admission for these foot infections, which I know almost thought to be chronic, like you can never completely eradicate them. They just kind of simmer down and then flare back up. Uh, and that's what the literature was saying. So yes, that it's not uncommon. And actually, when I called the attorney uh, for another case, 
his paralegal said, oh, do you remember um, the, the young female patient with the diabetes? And I said, yes. And she said, she's already back in the hospital with another infection in her oh, foot. Wow. Hmm. So that was that one. I, I actually just went like, um, um, did I make a mistake somewhere? <laughs> because it was so right. much. And I'm like, no, everything is necessary. And everything is more likely than not. And that's, that's the standard. Right. And certainly was in this case, too, uh, even though it was a big number. Uh, well, thanks for walking us through that. Anything else on this case, Mike, Anka? No, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on to share the details of this case. I think it's probably really helpful for all of our listeners. And Armin, why don't we have Anka share a little bit about why and how she got into medical legal consulting? That'd be great. Well, um, I uh, was actually, I, I was working as an emergency uh, physician and I came across uh, Armin's conference and it just seemed like something different. I, I do love writing. Um, I, I, English classes were some of my favorite classes in school besides the science classes. And I thought I can write reports and um, just realized that this is a... Uh, this is just a great way to help people. My, my husband was very for it. Uh, I'd been looking for something that I could potentially do after retiring. I'd always thought I would retire earlier than most people do just because emergency medicine is extremely fast paced and high stress and it just does burn you out after a while. Um, one of my attendings that I trained with actually just recently wrote me an email and he said, I think that all of us just have a certain limited number of emergency medicine shifts in us. <laughs> and when that's over, it's over. <laughs> and so that's kind of where I found myself this summer. And uh, it was nice to have this in place to still have something to do where I can, it's actually exciting. I learn new medicine every day. Um, I get to look through the literature and say, hey, what does this say? What does that say? And sometimes I'm very surprised as to, uh, about what's out there in the literature, what people have looked at and what may be connected that right off the bat, you don't necessarily think is connected. So I find it very um, stimulating. Uh, it keeps me busy. And I actually do enjoy meeting with the attorneys and talking to the clients. And so many of their clients are so grateful just because somebody's listening to them. Uh, I think sometimes this is one of the few times that they really feel heard sometimes in the in the legal process <laughs> where they can just really talk about everything that's going on and I need them to talk about it. And sometimes I have to talk about sensitive subjects like erectile dysfunction, which isn't always easy for men to speak about. And I'm extremely grateful that they're so open with me. And in, in turn, I think that they just feel it's nice to have somebody in their corner who's really going to listen to them and um, hopefully uh, bring that to the attention of, of uh, the attorneys. Yeah, I think it's really well said, Anka, uh, that uh, nobody else is quite tying the case together in the, in the way that uh, we can do that. And it's beneficial uh, for the case. It's beneficial for the attorney. It's beneficial, certainly, for the injured person. And, and it's something that uh, it gives us a lot of uh, satisfaction as well in terms of helping people. Uh, yes. And just on an aside, um, actually, I've recently had more attorneys actually come to me and say, I have a client who's just not getting better. Can you look at their case and tell me where they think, where they should go, where you think they should go next? And that's also helpful because then you can really help them get the care that they need. Right. Yeah, that's just so great. This has been one of the most fun 
uh, most enjoyable episodes yet. And uh, I really appreciate your time, Anka, Dr. Horacek. And uh, we look forward, maybe we'll, we'll have to do this again with another case. This is a, this is really a, a good time. Yeah, thank you, Anka. Really appreciate it. So I also want to thank our uh, loyal listeners. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to every podcast. And for our attorney uh, listeners, if you have a question, if you have a comment, if anyone has a comment, and for our attorney listeners, certainly if you have a case, you can reach us at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. And we really look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Thank you.